Mulcahy drops back. Four to shoot. Drives inside. Kicks. Corner. Mag. Open. Three. Book it. Mawad Magic. Downtown. Rutgers by four. 37 seconds to go. Mawat Mag hitting the biggest shot of his career at Rutgers. What a great call, by the way, by Eddie Kalegi on Rutgers Radio WRSU. Mag's corner three giving Rutgers a four-point lead in overtime with 39 seconds to play. That propelled the Scarlet Knights to a 68-64 victory over Ohio State. And with that, look at the standings in the Big Ten. Rutgers 13-5 overall. 5-2 and two in the Big Ten, sole possession of second place. I know it's January, but something to get excited about. And if that wasn't good enough to make your day, Rutgers fans, immediately after the game, Steve Peichel and his team were greeted by one of the top 10 high school juniors in the country. Arius Ace Bailey was in the house. He's a 6'10", 190-pound small forward from the state of Georgia walks into the locker room after the win and telling the players and coaches he is committing to Rutgers class of 2024, immediately becoming the highest ranked recruit in Rutgers history. How do you like them apples? Pretty juicy, huh? Rutgers riding a high after a 2-0 week. And with that, I'd like to bring in the man who had a front row seat to both incredible wins at Northwestern home to Ohio State. He joins me now on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Former Rutgers player, current broadcaster on the Rutgers Radio Network alongside Jerry Recco, the one and only Austin Johnson. Austin, great to talk to you once again. Ryan, I truly appreciate you having me on. Uh, excited to dive into all things RU basketball over the next couple of minutes. And before we get going, Austin, you, you have a broadcaster voice. I love that voice. So <laughs> you have the pipes and you have the experience, so so good for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the, the feedback. All right. Uh, and we'll talk to you more about your broadcasting career at the end. I want to start with this win over Northwestern because that game, and listen, there have been many big moments in Steve Peichel's career, right? I mean, he just keeps putting another notch in his belt, another win over a top 25 program, another win over uh, a, a road team in the Big Ten. But I put this one with the top three because of that environment, uh, the way they they built a 10-point lead and then lost it, had to get it back. How big of a win was that uh, from your point, the way they won that game? I think it was a monumental. Um, but first and foremost, and when I look back at Purdue and I look at back at Northwestern, two of uh, the most recent significant wins for RU basketball all in all, um, throughout the course of the the game, are you controlled the the flow and the tempo and they led for the majority of both of those contests um and and most recently at, at Northwestern and Evanston they they jumped out and they really asserted their will and they found ways to minimize boo Booey, Chase Audige, who were I think the the key and most important, um, aspect of what Northwestern does. It's they are the engine that makes that team go. If if those two guards don't score, then they don't win, simply put. Um, so it was a scouting report game. Um, and as you come to find out while you watch a lot of road games in the Big Ten conference, there's a lot of home cooking. Um, so we looked at the Jerry and I spoke about the foul differential at halftime. 
and it was it was too close for comfort. Um, we we thought that at some point we knew that human error was going to kick in. Referees were going to start to implement, you know, and start to impact the game, and then that's what happened in the second half. You look at the foul differential for Northwestern and RU in the second half, and it was pretty pretty big. Um, so that is why I think things tightened, and that's the adversity that this team deals with on the road or any team deals with on the road. The biggest difference this year, I think, is RU's response to adversity when it hits. They have a very senior-laden group, especially in the guard position. Paul Mulcahy, Caleb McConnell, Mawat Mag, um, even Andre Hyatt being integrated into this system with a wealth of experience. They don't blink. They don't, you know, they don't falter when the, the temperature rises, so to speak. And when the going got tough against Northwestern, it was like, all right, it's now our time to swing punches. And you throw in Cam Spencer and, you know, his professional approach and his scoring ability, but also his willingness to step up in the big moments and take the shot and knock and knock it down. This is a dangerous team going forward. I believe Matt Painter, after that loss at Purdue, called it a corporate mentality that Rutgers has. And they, love take, they take the lead of Steve Peichel. What do you think of that? I, I think that there's no better CEO to be at the helm of your Fortune 500 company. That is Rutgers basketball right now. Um, I think he's a guy that obviously is phenomenal from an X's and O's standpoint. I think that he is well-received by everybody that he comes across, whether that be people in the media, coaches, families that he's recruiting, or just, you know, the janitor at Jersey Mike's Arena. Um, he treats everybody in the same way with the utmost respect. And I think that that is what people see in the program, and it resonates throughout. Um, you started this off talking about the recent recruiting news. Um, one of the, you know, the biggest questions was, would, would people be able to recruit at RU. And I think that over the last couple of weeks, that's been answered. So I think that this is a program that is built for sustained success going forward. Um, it's a a model where you have a coach that can respond and adjust based off of the personnel that he has on the team. Last year, you had Ron Harper Jr. and Geo Baker leading the charge. And that's over 26, 27 points per game in right. production right. that you lose. This year, you don't know who's going to step up and be that offensive front. You have one of the most impactful transfers now that we see that in retrospect in Cam Spencer coming into the equation. But this is a team that's built on defense. So you had to adjust to what you have in front of you. And I think he noticed that. He has a lot of interchangeable parts defensively. And he's leveraging that and choking teams out, which is, I think, built to go the distance, especially in March. It's amazing how much every Rutgers game – with the exception of the Iowa loss, uh, they have dictated the pace and the flow of the game. And that's a credit to the players. That's a credit to uh, Peichel and his staff. Let's talk about Cam Spencer because you bring him up. I mean, you said it. He is one of the most impactful transfers in the country, but we're not going to call him the best. But in terms of what he brings to this team, I guarantee you not one Rutgers fan you know, unless you're somehow following Loyola, Maryland basketball last year, they had never heard of Cam Spencer and didn't know what he could do or if he could play in this level. And now all he's doing is leading Rutgers in, let, let's get this straight, points, assists, 
steals, three-point shooting, free throw shooting. He's 44 of 47. <laughs> He's missed three free throws all year. With all due respect to Bryce Hopkins at Providence and Sule Boom at Xavier, because I watch a lot of Big East, find me a more impactful transfer uh, in the Big Ten or or the country than Cam Spencer. I second that, Brian. I I, I want to put the, the challenge out into the air and, and have somebody come back with anybody who's had more of a significant impact in such a short amount of time in the Division One college basketball landscape. Um and and honestly, in preparation and being around the team this year, I've grown to appreciate his approach. Um, I think the whole mantra of this being a very well-run corporate entity or Fortune 500 company, well, Cam Spencer is one of the individuals that's on the executive team because there's nobody that's been more professional in his approach um, to this season. I think that he honestly vetted what would be the the most um, seamless transition from Loyola, Maryland to a higher level of Division One basketball and took his time and chose Rutgers accordingly. Um, I think that him and Coach Peichel's approach to the game of basketball are really in sync with one another. Cam Spencer, from what I hear, is a, a workaholic. He's always in the gym. He's always in the film room. Um and he's he's off social media. So like his mind is pure and solely on the game of basketball. And when we're warming up for our broadcasts, um, there's one guy that's typically always the first guy on the court for both teams, Cam Spencer. He's up getting shots early. He's the type of guy that literally is waiting and getting his own individual shots, even when it's 15 minutes to go on the clock, 20 minutes to go on the clock before tip. He's the last guy off the court where you have coaches waiting for him. He's that dedicated to perfecting his craft. And it's ultimately it's paying dividend, you know, not the most athletic guy. If we're just keeping it honest, but where, what he lacks in regards to, you know, natural gifts, you know, you can't control certain aspects of that. He makes up for and his approach and preparation. So it eats the film room. A lot of his steals are like, him studying other people's tendencies, being in the right place, being very cerebral. Um, so that's what I really approach is that he's just very hardworking, dedicated. Um, and I think that like, if you can get him back for another year, like he has the ability to potentially become like a true household name, like Jimmer for debt, go on like a legendary NCAA tournament basketball run because he proven that like, you know, he doesn't falter. There, there, there's a name right there, Jimmer for debt. And Cam, uh, in in watching him, I didn't know if he could do it. We knew he was doing it against the mid-majors. We knew he was doing it against the softer part of the schedule. But now that he's doing it in the Big Ten and doing it against better athletes tells you this guy is very good. Put himself in conversation, I think, for you know all Big Ten consideration. So knowing all of that, Austin, how does Northwestern leave this guy open when you know he's the only guy in the court when you're up two that could possibly put you down one? Take me through that play and how he got so wide open. Yeah. Um, so for people who don't remember that play vividly, um, it was right on the heels of a huddle and a timeout. So going back to, I think, what is 
the commonality and the theme and a lot of these, um, you know, really big plays that we focus in on, it comes back to good coaching. Um, I remember right out of the huddle, Jerry asked me what I thought Rutgers was going to do in crunch time. And boy, did I have it completely wrong. I was talking about trying to get something established for Cliff and the post, I, I think, and, you know, spreading the floor around and be able to spray the rock. Case in point, you know, if they were, because Northwestern was sending their four over to help their five every time Cliff Amore caught the rock. And I thought that that would create an advantageous situation where you would be able to take advantage on a four on five situation and maybe find an open shooter. But Coach Pico and staff essentially put Paul Mulcahy and Cliff Amore in a pick and roll situation mm -hmm. at the top of the key and put Cam in an isolated position on a side of the court where he was in one-on-one -on -one coverage. Um, there was Caleb McConnell, who I believe cleared through to the opposite side of the court. They go pick and roll, and everybody knows how lethal Paul Mulcahy is once he gets two feet in the paint. He has the ability to either score, and obviously there's nobody better with court vision and keeping his composure. So he could have easily found Cliff Amore if Cliff had an opportunity to go up to the rim. That roll and replace action makes Cam Spencer's defender very vulnerable where he has to help in and bump the cutter. And that roll and, re that roll and replace, Cam rises and has. In, in this point, it I mean, if you look at the play, there was still a little bit of coverage around him, but he's just so knocked down that even if he has a little bit of a glimpse at the rim, it's pretty much going in when he's confident in those situations. And I watched him when they came out of the timeout, he he was in the corner and he made a couple of motions before the ball was placed uh, to be inbounded. He made a couple of emotions like he was shooting the ball and going through a shooter's motion <laughs> and visualizing it going through. And often I never took my eyes off of Cam. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even see the pick and roll. All I was saying was he didn't come off a double screen he didn't, he didn't come, you know, shooting from the other side. He basically went from the corner three to the wing three, just slid over into an open area where if they didn't go to Cliff, he would be open. And you said it, his defender left him because Cliff was open on the pick and roll and, and he gave him way too much room. I mean, yep. way too much room. And, and Cam knocked it down. Credit to him, man. And legendary shot. I think obviously he's cementing himself as, you know, already one of uh, the most highly liked and regarded Scarlet Knights, at least in recent history. And the legends continue to grow because it's, you know, we're halfway through the season. So we still have more games to play, man. And and all right. So let's go to the Ohio State game, because what is going through your mind at the end of regulation against Ohio State? Right. Cam misses a shot, shows he's human. So he missed a shot, probably, you know, a 16, 17-footer, mid-range jumper with about 19 seconds to go. Shot clocks off. Ohio State gets the rebound, brings the ball up the floor, and they decide not to call timeout, which I thought was a great, great move. But you don't know what the player is going to do because Bryce Sensabaugh, trying to play hero ball, settles for a step-back three. I'm going to say with, you know, let's say – seven, eight seconds left, way mm -hmm. too much time. Mm -hmm. Wasn't a high percentage shot. 
Rutgers gets the ball. They're coming down court. Who has the ball in his hands with the clock ticking 4-3? But Cam Spencer, what's going through your mind? Well, I'm not going to lie. Bryce, since the ball started to come on late in the in the game, um, and he's a phenomenal player. Freshman, built like a linebacker. Um, Holtman does a really good job of recruiting guys to fit his system, and typically they're uber physical. Mm. Um, you would question that they could also suit up for the Buckeyes football team, <laughs> the way that they play basketball, especially Zach Key. That, that kid's a beast. Austin, that's um, your style ball, though. Come on, let's. That is, <laughs> I was a, I was a, I was a hack out there. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> uh, but to that point that you were making, since the ball was starting to, I think, catch his flow over the last couple, at, at least in the second half. So if there was anybody that was going to have the ball in their hands, essentially, it's the the the, the most probably yeah. prolific freshman in the Big Ten conference. And when he took that shot, I was worried. I thought, oh, no, here we go again. They're going to win on a buzzer beater. But shot bounced out. Ball ends up in Cam Spencer's hands. Considering how everything transpired against Northwestern, I was like, okay, this is this is what you want. This kid I, is salivating at the opportunity to be able to walk off in dramatic fashion, especially at Jersey Mike's Arena. And if he would have did that, we all know the roof would have would have came off. Um, so. <laughs> but when the shot didn't go in, I immediately thought, okay, RU is going to win this game. Ohio State is a very good team. They, um, I think, will be fine despite their four-game skid right now. They have the pieces, I think, to be able to string a couple games together. So RU, I think, is built to be able to compete with them from a physicality standpoint. And this game came down to the free throw line and the rebounding game. Ohio State out-rebounded RU slightly. But RU showed their physicality because they shot way more free throws in the Buckeyes in this contest. So considering that um, and their ability to be able to choke teams out, I thought that they would be able to leverage the the formula, if you will, that has made them successful um, up until this point in the season to be able to clamp down on Ohio State. And, and, and they did that. They did. And you bring up a good point. Hey, you know, you're going to get more calls typically at home. You're going to go to the free throw line and are you knocked down their their free throws to their credit but you still have to make shots you still have to get stops and of all people not Andre Hyatt not even Caleb McConnell uh, not Paul Mulcahy who would hit a bigger you know who hit a big three in that game and certainly not Cam Spencer Mawat Mag a player who let's face it Austin his development has been, you know, applaudable. He has started every game this year. He's not a lethal three-point shooter. Uh, five for 24 coming into the game, but never made more than one three-pointer in a game this season. And he finds the ball in his hands with nobody near him and calmly stroked it and swished it as pure as ever to put Rutgers up four in overtime. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Um... I'm very, very happy for Mo. I would say lethal, no, but capable for sure. Um, and talking with some of the coaches, they were saying this offseason that nobody worked as hard as Mawat Mag in preparation for this season. Mm. Um, so you don't know, I think, when your time is going to come for you to be able to step up and play hero ball. 
at the course of a college season, especially if you are not the main offensive focus for a team. You just have to be prepared. And the only thing that keeps you prepared is the reps in anything in life, I feel. Um, and Mawat Mag has put the work in. And they say what you do in the dark comes out in the light. And Mawat Mag has played hero ball before. You think back to Purdue last year. I think back to that heroic slam he had on the baseline. Although he's never going to be, I think, the individual that is on the front page of the article, his effort outside of just what he does offensively has been applaudable all season. He's the the guy who leads and he is the top line of their full court pressure. He allows them to switch up their defenses. He can guard one through five. He can essentially provide physicality and rebound with anybody, even only at six foot six. So considering the work that he's put in this season, I think he deserved to hit that shot. It's great that you're able to give him his flowers. I would I would rather nobody be in that position than Mawat Mag because he's been that integral of a piece for Rutgers basketball all year long. That that is high praise. And let's face it, you you said it, Austin. These players, the work they put in in the offseason, their player development from freshman year to sophomore year, now you see them, you know, blossoming as juniors. Uh it's it's just a credit not only to them but the coaching staff at Rutgers and this system that's in place. I mean, look what's going on in Kentucky with John Calipari and all these, you know, five-star thoroughbreds. It takes time to develop sometimes and, and trust and players staying in a system and not transferring out. All of that is happening this year at Rutgers. Uh, you know, so so are you surprised at all that that this team is in this position and quite possibly they could even be better than last year's team. You mentioned it. They lost Geo. They lost Ron Harper, and yet they're still better or in a better position. It's mind-boggling in some aspects, but I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, college basketball is one of those rare opportunities where it's clear as day where you could see, I think, things that contribute to sustainability um, and longevity. The one thing that people... That has remained, obviously, players change. Some players, I mean, are used one of the few teams that didn't have anybody transfer out um, or lose in a portal. So that's something to be said about the uh, the actual program that's being built, too. But this staff has remained intact. And that is one of the most, I think, well-equipped recruiting X's and O's and just cultural fit staffs in the entire nation when you consider Carl Hobbs, Brandon Knight, TJ Thompson, um, you know, Mike Larkin, all the way down to everybody in the support staff, um, just to keep this short, they remain constant and they are a very, very vital part of making sure that guys are doing things the right way and being developed in the right way. And I think it's very blue collar when it comes to that. You come in in the summer and you work on your deficiencies and you continue to get better year over year. So guys are making quantum leaps, you know from year to year. So I imagine that the freshmen from this season and Big Wolf, Derek Simpson, mm-hmm. are going to be more than well equipped to be able to take that next step next season when guys graduate. Um, coming into this year, I had no idea what to expect because all of Rutgers basketball success was typically tied into Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. So a lot of questions needed to be answered about scoring. I think they're doing it in all hands on deck type of approach um, where each game 
you know, you might have somebody that steps out beyond themselves. And Cam Spencer has become that steady Eddie where you know what you can anticipate from that standpoint. But credit to Coach Peichel. I think understanding what he had at his disposal from a defensive standpoint was top of mind and prioritized. They worked on that dramatically, and I think it's paying dividend now. Yeah, there aren't too many coaching staffs in the country, you know, that can boast that the, the assistance that Steve Peichel has and and their pedigree and their resume. And maybe that's how they can also lure. I know it's an NIL society that we live in and how much are you going to pay me? But when you hear, you know, Brandon Knight making inroads with a top 10 recruit in the country from Georgia, like an Ace Bailey, uh, you know, it just makes you wonder, how is a kid from Georgia in SEC country coming to Rutgers? And then lo and behold, I read that, that you know, Brandon Knight somehow made some inroads. And and here you have a, a, a top 10 recruit in the country, uh, a five-star blue chip player announcing he wants to be a part of this. Yeah, I'm not I'm not shocked by that. Um, Brandon Knight obviously has one of the best pedigrees in the country. Went from the head coach from a coaching perspective, and I imagine he'll be a head coach very soon. I remember when I played at Rutgers and we were in the Big East, and he was at Pitt. Like people talked yeah. about him, you know, with as much success as they used to talk about Jamie Dixon with. Mm -hmm. um, and I had one of my teammates that transferred to Pitt, and a couple of kids that I played AAU ball with in North Jersey, Trayvon Woodall, that went on to Pittsburgh, and you know, a lot of the commonalities and themes of why they decided to go to that program you heard Brendan Knight's name. So from a recruiting standpoint, there might not be a better recruiter in the country. Um, this new day and age of NIL is here to stay. And I think RU, in addition to a lot of other universities out there and athletic departments are still figuring out what that means within the landscape of, you know, their locality. So how RU is going to approach this as well over the last couple of months and there's been some announcements I'm part of, and I sit on a board of one of the NIL collectives for RU. Um, so I know that we've been meeting constantly talking about, you know, how to approach this in an efficient manner. You would be a fool to believe that this, these aren't conversations that recruits are having when they're on their visits to figure out how they can maximize their name, uh, image, and likeness. So the fact that you see a top 10 recruit feel comfortable with where Rutgers is from that perspective. I think it'll open the floodgates, not only in basketball, but also in football, you know, because I think one hand washes the other. You saw 100, 150 recruits at last night's game um, from a football perspective. So for those players to be able to see that there's an ability for RU to compete with Ohio State, even if it's on the basketball court, it's the right start. Fantastic stuff, uh, Austin. I know your time is valuable. Before you go, I, I do want to touch upon a few things personally for you. You have found a career in broadcasting. You know, you came up through Rutgers, started out a little bit at our vision and, and then joined the corporate world. Um, you stepped into this role last season with Jerry Recco on play-by-play -play for radio. And this is now your second season. It's also opened up doors for you to do some television work with the big 10 network and call some Rutgers games as well on television uh, what has this season been like for you transitioning, you know, from, from radio analyst to also television analyst? How has it been for you? And uh, are you on cloud nine? <laughs> well, it's been busy for sure. Because um, a lot of the media related stuff that I do is on the side. Um, I still have a, a, a nine to five. I'm working 
in finance in New York City um, every morning. So I'm in by eight and done by five. And then I typically jet on day, days, um, day, days where there are games down to meet the team to fly out or, you know, anything related to be able to, to fulfill the media obligation. Um, but it's been really cool. Um, I started out doing games, as you had mentioned, when I was in grad school, local here in, in high school um, for our vision with Danny Breslier and um, for Verizon Files Sports calling high school games. And when Coach Boylan passed away and he was great at, at this and very well received, I was a little bit nervous, but I wanted to step into this opportunity because I thought it was the right fit for me to continue to sharpen my tools and get better at this. And there's nobody better to work with than Jerry Recco. He gives me great advice and pointers, and he's very p patient. So just through the process of how he likes to work, I've developed a, a comfort level. Um, I was a comm major under, undergrad. I always wanted to do something in this vertical. Mm -hmm. um, this past summer, I met some folks at the Big Ten Network. I actually reached out to them um, just trying to be proactive during the Big Ten tournament last year. And um one thing leads to another. They invite me out over the summer and I do like a quasi tryout. And they were like, we think that we could at least get you on a couple of out of conference games. So I think just the incremental steps, you know, each, I just want to put one foot in front of the other and keep getting better at this. I really thoroughly enjoy it. There's no better job than being able to sit there and talk hoops, something that's been integral in my life. So year over year, I'll, I'll lean into any opportunity and try to just get better at this. And I was just mentioning to you before we hopped on that if I could make this into a full-time career and gig, then that would be a dream come true. Well, first of all, Austin, congratulations on this success and, and future success as well. I know it's coming for you. I hear your voice. I hear your enunciation. And I think it's fabulous. I think you have the voice for this. Uh, you have you don't have a face for radio, Austin, because you're a good <laughs> dude. Okay, so you can do it on both ends. There's potential to do both. Okay, I appreciate you, Brian. And and listen, I appreciate you coming on and and giving us the time that you have because I know how valuable it is. Rutgers is having an amazing season, and I know you're proud of your school uh, and your team and these guys. And and you brought a lot of great insight to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. I this is the first time you're on, and I hope it's not the last time. Absolutely, man. Thanks for reaching out. And I would love to be back. Um, and I hope that you enjoy, you know, the rest of our time off. And thanks again. All right. My thanks to Austin Johnson, a four-year player, if there ever was one at Rutgers, who really put his heart and soul into this program. And and now it's paying dividends because you have a, a former player who knows the ins and outs of this program, who does his homework, who's very good at what he does. And he brings a level of professionalism to that broadcast booth with Jerry Recco and makes that broadcast team a top-notch broadcast team for Rutgers basketball. So you have a top-notch basketball program, it deserves a top-notch broadcasting crew. And that's what Rutgers has in Jerry Recco and Austin Johnson. You heard what he had to say. Uh, this team, these players, these coaches, they put in the extra time, the extra work in the gym, in the offseason, when they're practicing, when the lights are off. Hard work does pay off. Rutgers is living proof of this. They're in second place in the Big Ten. Who would have thought that? Right in the middle of things. This team can win a Big Ten championship. Why not? 
They can win a regular season title. They can win a tournament title. They are built to win now. They have the players. They have the pieces. They have the coaches. They have the belief, the trust. And now, for the first time all season, Rutgers has a ranking in front of their name. Number 23. That's right. Rutgers has cracked the top 25 poll for the first time this season. They're number 23 in the country. That news broke just after I completed the interview with Austin Johnson. Otherwise, I would have talked to him about that. But again, significant news. Who knew this team would be ranked when they lost players like Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr.? Well, the players and the coaches believed in it. So now their hard work is paying off, but the road doesn't get any easier this week. Two of their next three games over the next couple of weeks are on the road. They travel at Michigan State on Thursday. Then they're home to Penn State next week, followed by a trip and a rematch with Iowa the following Sunday, January 29th. If you look at the Big Ten standings, those teams are right there with Rutgers. They're fighting for a Big Ten regular season and tournament championship as well with the Scarlet Knights. Michigan State is right behind them. Iowa is coming up right behind them. No games are easy in the Big Ten. If you look, this team is in a battle each and every night, but they're equipped for this. These players, these coaches, they have short memories. Whether they win or lose, they enjoy the wins for a brief moment, and they lament the losses for a brief moment. But none of that seems to carry over into the next game with this team. Corporate mentality. On to the next one. It's only January. There's a lot of basketball to be played, but we will see where this team is at at the end of January and then at the end of February. But right now, in the middle of January, Rutgers is ranked in the top 25 at number 23. The bracketologists have this team as a number five or a number six seed somewhere in there, trending towards a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. A lot can happen, but right now, it's good to be a Rutgers men's basketball fan. They have a top three recruiting class in the country for 2024. They're getting players in 2023. They're getting four and five star players in 2024. Steve Peichel is getting it done in year seven. Who knew that they would be getting five-star players? He was doing it with blue-collar, unranked players. And now he's getting verbal commitments from five-stars, blue-chip, top-ten players, not from New York, from Georgia. Who would have thought that? Steve Peichel, right man, right place, has his program in place, has his coaches in place, has his players in place. We'll see where it goes from here, but I know this. My eyeballs are going to be tuned to every Rutgers game, whether I'm in person or watching it at home, because uh, this team, I really appreciate the way they play basketball. All right. It's been fun. My thanks again to Austin Johnson as he uh, trends in the right direction as well with his broadcasting career. A fabulous job by him. Some spectacular and excellent insight into this Rutgers men's basketball program. You're hearing it. You heard his interview from a player's perspective, from a broadcaster's perspective. I wish him a lot of luck, and I hope to have him on again later at some point this season in the near future. 
And thanks to you for listening. As always, please continue to share the message of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Tell your friends about it. Give us a review. Give us a like. Spread the message on social media everywhere that you have social media accounts. My name is Brian Dean Thanks for listening. Enjoy the games, everyone. So long.